Located in the Black Hills of South Dakota, Mount Rushmore is a monumental sculpture carved into the side of a mountain, depicting four of the most famous and influential presidents in the history of the United States of America. Jeremy. A character that feels real. MC. Is he too powerful? Rudy. You just gonna come at me like that? Screw. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. God damn it. Podcast. <laughs> the podcast. Welcome the to the podcast. The Swedish shift, the podcast. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast where pop culture is carved in stone. This is our second episode, and our last episode sort of laid the foundation for what we're trying to do here, and that is to create a better world, a world in which. The concept of Mount Rushmore is updated, facelifted, and reimagined in our own eyes. And when I say R, I'm referring to my three wonderful co-hosts. Let's go down the list one by one. Rudy, how are you today? Oh, I am so ready. Let's do this. Now, Rudy, you've got a bit of a chip on your shoulder because during the last episode, you, uh, you got a little heated toward the end. Talk about that for a second. Okay, first off, number one, out of the gate, you're just going to come at me like that? So, yeah, Look, okay. This is, this is so, uncensored. This is no rules here. Okay, yeah, all right. Things got a little heated. I may have started sweating. I was definitely pacing, but that just, it's giving me the motivation to bring my A game right now. And that's that's exactly what we want to what we want to embrace on this show is everyone's A game. Next up, Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing well. Excited. Um, you you brought some um, you brought some ringers. You brought some sure things last time. Um, without getting to, into the specific topic, because um, we'll reveal that in a minute. How do you feel your list came together this time? I think it came together well. It was a, this was way more challenging than the first one. That's for sure. Spe- speaking before with all the guys, I think we before you signed in, we were kind of agreeing on the same thing except for one of us my next co-host who just basically said i'm pretty sure my list should be the list and of course well, I'm talking, like- hey 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 let me let me introduce you so the people know i'm of course talking about my good friend and fellow co-host of the second chance cinema podcast spro spro how are you i'm good i'm drinking this time i'm going to try and take the edge off a little bit and just relax and let things happen and let things lie but I right. do think like this, I, 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 I disagree with Jeremy already. <laughs> All right. I feel like this list was easy. Like, I feel like I was like, there's no, I mean, this is four people. Like, this is just easy. Like I put it together. Like this is, I'm going to take another sip. But see, that was the challenge because yes, I'll agree that when I broached this topic, even with my family, names came rattling out immediately, but I felt like, okay, those are all the layup names, but let's go a little deeper. So in order not to just come up with sort of what I felt was the stock list. Now, I'm not saying that's what you did, but I'm saying for me that's personally. That's it sounds like you're saying. Maybe. <laughs> I could have, yeah, I could have just did the tip of uh, superheroes, but we'll see. And he just, just gave tip. away the topic. Ladies and gentlemen, today's <laughs> topic is superheroes. So first of all, before we get into our lists, <clears throat> 
let's talk about what defines a superhero and what criteria the superheroes that end up on our Mount Rushmore should have. Jeremy, what do you what do you have to say about that? What did you use when you were finalizing your list? So I felt like, you know, superheroes are such a huge part of pop culture and they have been for 80 plus years. So uh, I felt like they have to be a superhero who has sort of signified um, a moment in time and kind of signified a shift as well. Maybe been part of a huge kind of pop cultural shift or been part of a moment or a movement or something that really kind of influenced people or influences genre, things like that. That's kind of the. That's the stance that I took. Very well thought. Um, Rudy, what can you add? So um, I, the criteria I approached uh, this topic with was uh, power was the main thing I focused on, uh, like powerful strength. And, um, but I also kind of wanted a little bit of like vulnerability to my superhero. I'm glad to hear you say that because I... I think once we get into the selections, my selections, I, I like to think that a, that a superhero isn't just someone who always wins or even not always, but the majority of the time is, is pretty undefeatable. And I think that a true superhero is one that, like you said, displays vulnerability, does have um, a, a human side and a human um, element to him or her. And I think that's what really that, that contrast between the ultimate power and the ordinary person, I think makes a great superhero. Spro, what do you have to add? Uh, nothing. I think, I mean, I campaign the picks that I have before we get on the air with people around me and, you know, they will approach with their own ideas and, really what I had to keep countering with is that they don't have like the people that they were suggesting don't have superpowers, you know, they're just rich white men. And so I would kept telling myself they have to have at least one superpower, which might seem weird to have to point out, but that's what we're talking about when we talk about superheroes. Did we establish that as a rule? Cause I don't remember establishing that as a rule and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just, I'm just curious. Is this for me? Uh, I think yeah. it should be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I have a feeling then we're going to have some we're going to have some uh, some debate then because I, I would imagine that anyone who's tuning into this podcast has probably already, as they've seen the title and the topic, has probably already started thinking of their own list, and um, I imagine that just because of their their place in the zeitgeist, there are certain names that pop up to the top just automatically. But I think that at least for me, what I tried to do was not necessarily go after names of my favorite superheroes, but superheroes who best represent that term in the ways we've defined it. How, uh, Jeremy, how, how do you think the difference between favorite superheroes and best superheroes is summed up? That's a good question. I mean, I think the favorite superheroes are ones that speak to you personally. You can relate to them. You can connect with them. I mean, I think, you know, everybody's, you know, kind of gateway superhero is Spider-Man, right? Because he's young and, you know, he's not cool and all these kinds of things. And But he has really cool powers and uh, he's, you know, very relatable. 
and then I think as you get older, then you kind of gravitate maybe towards other other characters. Wolverine, you know, it's kind of like when you're in your teen years or your twenties, and then that kind of thing. Um, but then I think best superheroes are the ones who stand the test of time, and you know they they resonate beyond sort of that bubble of pop culture fans or comic book fans or superhero movie fans, and they sort of you know, everybody knows who they are. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So the way we normally do this is I have a wheel set up with all of our names on it. We spin the wheel. Whoever it lands on gets to pick a name from their list. They throw the name out there and basically like go fish. They say, does anyone have this person on their list? And we use that as a sort of barometer to figure out who might be our early top contenders. Now, it sounds like um, I I have a feeling that we're going to be all over the board for this one. I know there are a couple of my picks that didn't come to me right away. But then when I thought about it a little more, I was like, I could make an argument for that. And it seems like a pretty good one. So, um, but normally, normally, like I said, we spin the wheel, but today is a special day because today is one of our co-hosts birthdays. So first of all, happy birthday, Spro. And as a present to you, you're going to get to go first. Uh, Um, well, I think, okay, easy enough. Like, I think I'll just do my layup one that, uh, shouldn't have too much problem getting in. I don't think because it's tattooed on one of our other hosts body, but I'm going to throw out Superman as my first pick as the OG superhero. Superman. Okay. So, um, let's go fish. Does anybody else have Superman? I do. Yep. I do. Okay, so that's three Supermans. I do not have Superman. Let's hear from you guys why Superman deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. Rudy, you go first. Um, first of all... <laughs> uh, Actually, that, first, where, where is the tattoo? <laughs> I want to kind of leave it up to the listeners to guess. All right. <laughs> a, would... so, so lower back is what we're assuming, right? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. That's, that's a fair assumption. Anyways, super tramp stamp. Oh, man. I have a story for you guys off air. Anyways, um, so yeah, <laughs> um, Superman is the iconic superhero let's he is he is the symbol of of strength and power and and nobility and justice that's what superman represents and i believe he was my first introduction to superheroes at a very young age so that's why i i superman's on my list okay jeremy what about you yeah, I agree with all that. He is the original superhero, is the template for everything that came afterwards. You know, uh, is the model for all superheroes in, in terms of look and style and everything. And uh, also, he later on kicked off the era of the movie superhero with Christopher Reeve, which is really the first blockbuster superhero movie. And, you know, now they're everywhere. But at that time, you know, it was the first time that superhero movies were taken seriously in some way. You know, um, if you watch that movie now, you know, it's not goofy. You know, it's very, it's, it's got a very serious tone to it. I mean, that's not to say there's not comedy in it and there's not light humor throughout, but the overall feeling is like a sense of, as Richard Donner said, verisimilitude, you know, creating a uh, 
character that feels real and feels believable. And you never saw that before with with uh, superhero on TV or even in the the movie serials in the forties and everything. So Superman was kind of the uh, the gateway to what we see now in, in superhero movies. Okay, so like I said, superhero or Superman was not on my list, and I knew this wasn't a battle I was going to win. My question, which was going to be the basis of my argument for not including him on my list, is he too powerful? Do you wait a sec? So you listen to these uh, episodes after we do them. So when you re-listen to this episode, I want you to listen to what you just said and <laughs> really take some time to examine yourself. What was what is he too powerful? So here's my point. Here's my point. In the absence of kryptonite, there's really nothing he can't do. So to call him a superhero, I think that's a misnomer. I think he's more classified. I mean, you could call him a god. You could call him a um, some kind of like immortal deity. I think that just like there can't be courage without fear. I feel like there's something about Superman, and I don't dislike Superman at all, but I feel like there's something about Superman that that's just almost ridiculous in the sense of what he can do. What were those jingles? Well, he isn't. Are you guys, like, kicking uh, off the show? Is that I just put my mic on. It's like my dog is vigorously scratching an itch of some kind. Was that... So is that, am I getting the hook? Is that why? No. But seriously, I mean, is and and tell me because maybe you guys know Superman more than I do. Is there is there are there limitations to his powers beyond Kryptonite? Well, when he leaves well, our, a, our galaxy, because the yellow sun. Yeah. And here's the other thing: like you can't say he's too powerful. His he also died. Like when we were talking at the top of the show about vulnerability, his death and his funeral change the cultural landscape of superheroes because, you know, up until this point, people are like, well, Superman can't die. And then the create or not the creators, but the DC comics then eventually did kill him and had a huge epic funeral on, you know, printed pages. Can we all agree that his disguise is garbage at least? (laughs) Well, that's a, you know, kind of, because it's not just putting on the glasses. He changes his whole demeanor. Oh. Well, but not his face. Not his face, but I mean, he, he changed keeps, he keeps okay. his face and his, his general proportions the same. I mean. All right. You, I think if I remember right, you haven't seen or, or don't really, maybe you've seen it once, the Christopher Reeve Superman from the 70s. Untrue. Right? I've you seen, have it. seen it. That's the one with Otisburg, right? Yes. I've seen that several times. Okay. None after I, that, but. And I, I saw man. I saw Man of Steel in Justice League, so. You can uh, stick that oh. in your head. Well, that doesn't that doesn't help our case at all. But okay, there's a scene in the original Superman where Christopher Reeve he flies around with Lois and they go out on their date. They fly to the Statue of Liberty, even though they're in Metropolis, and it's oh, I remember this was yeah. spoofed in uh, Hot Shots. I remember this. It was yes. <clears throat> so then they come back right, and he's now Clark Kent because he's going to actually take Lois out for what was supposed to be their actual date. Uh, and there's a moment where and they, they don't cut away. And Christopher Reeve is he takes off the glasses and he stands tall and he's like, Lois, I have to tell you something. And then Lois comes back in and he puts the glasses on and hunches over. And in that moment, transforms from Superman to Clark Kent. And they really become 
two distinctly different people. So I think it's okay. it's not just putting on the glasses; it's the whole way he carries himself. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dispute this and waste too much energy because I know that Superman has a rightful place in the pop culture of superheroes, and that's what we're discussing. So I'm pretty sure at the end he'll be a lock. My point was that well, you heard my point. I think that 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 there's there's a lot he can do, and for me that takes away of what we were talking about at the beginning, just some of the humanity of Superman. But agree to disagree. So here's what we're gonna do. Spro already went, so I'm gonna spin the wheel and we're gonna see who goes next. Oh, Rudy was typing next frantically. I didn't. I just noticed this. Yeah, I was. You guys were saying oh. a lot of things that were getting me worked up. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Rudy, did um, you want to go back? Did you want to go back to Superman? No, I just go. saw this now. It's like next, I, next. I didn't see that. I, Not the Nicolas Cage see. movie. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'll concede and move on to my next pick. I have selected <clears throat> Dayton, Ohio's own. The Incredible Hulk. Puny God. The Incredible Hulk. All right. Tell us why. So this talks about uh, my criteria of absolute power and strength and yet vulnerability because you're faced with a character that didn't ask for this and is trying to figure out how to live his life with this, uh, you could call it a curse, you know, and he learns how to channel... um, channel the Hulk for good instead of just being an uncontrollable rage monster. So I, um, and I love the fact that I love the concept about he gets stronger as he gets angrier. Like you, he could get his power is limitless. Then it's only measured by how, how far his anger will go. And I think it's a really unique, complex character because you shouldn't be rooting for something that is essentially just like uh, a savage monster, but you find yourself rooting for that. And so that's why. Is he kind of like an, not an antihero, but sort of in that vein? Yeah, kind of, kind of in the vein, a reluctant. Okay. Reluctant. Okay. All right. Let's get all the names on the board. Let's see who goes next. Jeremy, go ahead. Hey, I'm going to throw out another layup, but in uh, Marcus Burdett tradition, I'll get it out of the way. Uh, this is my my pick is Batman. What are you? I'm Batman. Similar to Superman, he is kind of um, a stalwart standard stu- superhero that um, everybody knows. Everybody, he's been around for over 80 years, and um, he's kind of one of those superheroes who crosses pop culture boundaries. You know, uh, you had the 60s TV show that was a phenomenon that, like, everybody wanted to be a part of uh, back in the 60s. And then, uh, you know, then in the 70s, you know, you, he was very popular in the comics with Denny O'Neill um, and all the uh, the great Joker stories and Ra's al Ghul and all that stuff. And then in the 80s, you had the Michael Keaton Batman, which really revitalized the character and introduced him to a new audience and um, because a lot of people thought who, who were not reading the comics thought that Batman was si- silly and campy like in the 60s show 
and kind of reinvented him for audiences. And then The Dark Knight, which was just a huge, massive culture shift in 2008, where it was like this movie came out of nowhere and became an event. So uh, Batman's always kind of been on the map in terms okay. of pop culture. So I, I neglected the format for one second. Let's go back to Incredible Hulk. Did anybody else have Incredible Hulk on their list? I did not. No. Crickets. Okay. Did anybody else have Batman on their list? I did. No. I did not. Nobody. Me neither. Wow. Okay, we'll get in. We'll get into Batman in a second. All right. So I guess it's my turn. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and this is one that I'm. I'm. I'm not considering this a layup, but this is probably my strongest choice. I think. Captain America. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know. And um, the reason I picked, well, there are several reasons that I picked Captain America. In the early comics, he was a symbol of hope, unlike anything I think that had been in existence before him, especially to America. His character, selfless, volunteered for the Operation Rebirth procedure that turned him into Captain America, even though the, um, you know, this, the, the chances for success and, and the risk, the chances for success were minimal and the risk was very great. Beyond that, some of the other things that he's done in the comics, he saved FDR's life. He um, leads the Avengers. He stood against the Superhero Registration Act, which was a part of the Civil War storyline that I don't know who's read it, but when you read it, it's basically it 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 mirrors to a degree profiling and the events that went on during World War II. And I felt like Captain it was basically Captain America on one side and Iron Man on the other. I felt like Captain America was on the right side of that, and he he opposed the registration of mutants uh, in order to kind of out them. Um, he also punched Hitler in the face. And that's just the, that's that's just the comic Captain America. The movie Captain America, I would argue, is even better. And rather than list his accomplishments, there's one scene that that I always go back to when I'm trying to argue with somebody about how great Captain America is. And it's in uh, it, it's in um, Infinity War when Vision and Wanda are uh, being attacked by Thanos's minions. Vision and Wanda are arguably the two most outright powerful Avengers, cosmically powerful Avengers. They're knocked on their asses, getting ready to be defeated. And who steps out of the shadows? Captain America. And the look on their faces is like, oh, we're going to be okay. And that, to me, sums up his entire existence in the Marvel Universe, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think especially now, he's a hero, given all the stuff that's going on in the real world. I feel like that incarnation of the hero um, is definitely one that that we could use right now. Did anybody else have Captain America? Oh my god! I nobody did not. Did not. Crickets. He. I'll say this: he was close to making my list. Okay. He was on my short. He was on my short list for number yeah. four. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to keep going pretty fast then, because it sounds like we might be in one of those sweet sixteen things. All right, let's spin the wheel again. Ready? And Rudy, go ahead. Give us number two. All right. Number two would be I. So I, I, you know, because comic books can get a little there are multiple character developments and certain characters take on certain abilities and ego uh, alter egos. But I chose 
Jean Grey. Did anybody else have Jean Grey? No. No. Not I. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's all right. No, that's all right. This, look, we're getting Patriarchy all the is alive and well on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get them all on the board. We're going to discuss. We're going to be we're going to be civil. Next up is Spro. Um, <clears throat> kind of a personal choice, but uh, when we go, you know, the best superheroes and my favorite superhero and what I like about superheroes and what I think superheroes represent, I'm going to go with Spider-Man. Does anybody else have Spider-Man on their list? I Nobody. Didn't. Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right. Let's 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 roll again. Jeremy, go ahead. This one is probably more for the character's accomplishments in movies than in the comics, although they were certainly a, sig- a significant player in the comics as well. But it was their role in the movies that made them the household name they are today. That is Iron Man. Iron Man. Does anybody else have Iron Man? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get bloody. I- I have to say, and since it's my turn next, I'll I'll use this one. But as you were as you were um, previewing your choice, I was like, oh, he's going to pick the one I picked. He's going to pick the one I picked. Everything he's saying is in line with my pick. And then you swerved me with Iron Man because I think exactly what you said can be said the same about Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have Wolverine? <laughs> Unprecedented! Wow, I don't even know where we're going to begin to to pair these down. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's go around the horn one more time. Rudy, you're up. Um, my my, <laughs> this would be my fourth and final pick because Superman was my first right. one. Um, I have Thor. Anybody else have Thor? No. <laughs> Jeez. All right. All right. Let's keep going. Um, Spro next. Uh, if we're talking about a significant moment in culture and pop culture shifts, my third pick will be Black Panther. Black Panther. Okay. Not bad. I like that. Does anybody else have Black Panther? Yes, I had Black Panther. Wow. Okay. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There we go. All right. I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm just relieved that somebody picked the same one. Um, (laughs) Me too. So, so Jeremy, we'll we'll skip your turn there because you agree with Black Panther. I'm going to go to my next one. Um, when we're talking about power and we're talking about power coupled with humanity, uh, I think there's no better choice than Professor Charles Xavier. Did anybody have Charles Xavier? Of course not. <laughs> All right. Let's go. I can't wait to hear what you guys think of my fourth pick. All right. Let's go back around. Rudy, uh, you already did all yours, right? Um, that's it. I'm out. All right, Spro, you got your last one? Yeah. And, my, and just to preface, uh, this person beat out Captain America for my final list. Okay. Um, and that was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay. Does anybody else have Wonder Woman? No. Wow. Bunch the of patriarchy is real on this list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jeremy, are you you're are you still in? Uh, no, that uh, well, I have all my four now. You you said all your four. Okay. So yep. I guess I'm the only one left. And the last one that I had picked, and I can make a case for this, Dr. Alan Grant. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 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 So a, a little introduction. This person has prevented the sale of blood diamonds, saved elephants from extinction, saved the entire an entire island from volcanoes, restored balance to the entire world ecosystem. Oh man. Spawned, oh, here we go. Spawned a foundation that affected more than 1.3 million students. And it was almost voiced by Tom Cruise. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Planet. Did anybody have Captain Planet? He was on my short list, but I got, no. (laughs) Was he really? He was. I'm excited to hear your argument. Captain Planet. I mean, okay, let's start there. Um, So Captain (laughs) Planet, uh, is Rudy still laughing? Yes, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Keep going. Rudy, you're such a laughter. You're such a fucking dick, Rudy. (laughs) So Captain Captain Planet. Planet. (laughs) So listen, Captain Planet is corny. Absolutely. But I feel like what he represents is the essence of what a superhero should be. And that's a cause, an attainable cause and an actionable cause, an inspiring cause for good. Spurl, why did you have him on your short list? I just liked his hair. (laughs) The green mullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, that and what he inspired from like the daytime. Uh, I just remember from the daytime cartoon series. And he was kind of like Superman was in the movie theaters. Captain Planet was the silver screen growing up in the 80s uh, superhero. He was so. that series. I believe I read was either the longest or the second longest running cartoon uh, or maybe a superhero cartoon, I think, of all time. And uh, it's true. Tom Cruise did almost voiced him. Um, I, I wasn't expecting Captain Planet to go all the way. Spro, for me, it's enough just to know that you had him on his on your on your short list. And I'd like to uh, call out to the listeners that Rudy just typed nerd in the chat box. And I think that's just uncalled for in this um, in this discussion. And um, <laughs> think, about, think about it. It's, very it's a discussion. It's a discussion about superheroes and you're being called a nerd. So that's, yeah. that's your Captain Planet. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, Rudy, fine. I'm going to pick on you then. So you said Jean Grey and I said Professor X. I think those two are cut from kind of the same cloth. Why do you think Jean Grey, who's basically got the same powers as Professor X, except she can't control her shit, why do you think she deserves to be on the, on the mountain? Because Professor X is afraid of her. He had to try and control her. He had he knew the power that she possessed, and it was unmatched. She is the most powerful mutant. It, it, it that's not a debate. She's the most powerful mutant when she becomes uh, Phoenix and Dark Phoenix. Like she has that in her. So that's why Jean Grey is on my Mount Rushmore because it, if you're talking all powerful mutant, she decimates everyone. So basically, you're saying with great power does not come great responsibility, right? Because she freaks out and a bunch of people die. Yeah, I mean, she probably should talk to. She should see a therapist. She should talk to somebody, share some feelings. There's a lot of you know red flags about obviously how she was raised. So I think that it does not require her to be responsible because she is all powerful. So um, Jean Grey, true or false, wouldn't exist without Professor X. Uh, um, no, I, he's not her father. No, I'm saying that that the incarnation of Jean Grey that we know in the comics, along with the incarnation of all the X Men, really would not exist without Professor X. True or false? That uh, it's false. He's a he's just a teacher. I mean, he's just a, he's a, a teacher. What a he, dick! 
he's a he's a mentor. Listen to you. Wow. <laughs> he does he's not the reason for their existence. They exist without him. Not as a team, they don't. Uh, that's why I didn't put up the X-Men on Mount Rushmore. I put up Jean Grey. So you don't so you don't think that that her lack of control over her powers is disqualification criteria. She she eventually learns how to control it. And when she realizes that Professor X has been the reason holding holding her back from this great power and this potential, she loses it. But she eventually reigns it in. Like there's Dark Phoenix and Phoenix. So I think yeah, it's not like she's just a a ticking time bomb just blowing up, blowing up at everything. She she gets it together. Rudy, I just drew a picture of you and I X'd out the eyes. I want you to know that. Um, Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on, on this debate where we're talking about the most powerful and the second most powerful mutant in the Marvel universe? Well, I actually thought about Jean Grey as well, because for all the points that Rudy made and again, I was thinking of it from a a cultural standpoint. And like, when you think about the X-Men, like the one thing that everybody laments that they never got right in the movies was Dark Phoenix, and they tried twice and they failed twice. And that that story is so important to X Men fans and means so much to them because I think they they love that character so much and they want to see it. It's such a compelling story and such a groundbreaking story. They want to see it done right, and so I think that speaks to how much the character means to fans. So that's why I thought about including her. As far okay. as like who's more who's more powerful, um, that's a good question. I mean, I I think really at the, at the end of the day, you know, what you were saying, Professor X was afraid of her power and uh, tried to contain it, and uh, he was able to control his own abilities and knew that hers were so uh, what's the right word? So volatile, um, volatile, beyond Thank you. perfect, and yeah, beyond anything anyone had ever encountered before. So that might make her arguably the most powerful mutant in the X-Men universe. Definitely. Okay, Jeremy, I'm going to concede to you, not to Rudy, because your <laughs> argument your argument was civil and well thought and um, presented very eloquently. So I'm going to concede to you and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep Jean Grey on the board. I'll cross out <laughs> Professor X. Oh, I um, like Professor X. Oh, yeah, I don't think this kid's yeah. on Professor X. Bro, go ahead. Well, not so much pro. I mean, Professor X kind of led the group. He led the charge. He brought everybody together. He was an organizer, a community organizer of mutants, per se. He did the most research. He set them off on missions that they needed to go on to help preserve the world. I think he was he was a great leader. Where Jean, Jean Grey, and I'm also going to attack another one of Rudy's picks with the Incredible Hulk, because I feel like Rudy has this thing yes, for people that him. cannot him, control bro. their get rage, him. right? Get him. Take him why down. are we going? <laughs> why are we going to put on Rushmore people that have anger issues that represent? I guess I was going to make the uh, argument against Incredible Hulk with toxic masculinity, but now Jean Grey with her toxic femininity and just going off on people and killing people and you know rage monstering because they can because they have powers and then being like, oh my gosh, I cannot control them, silly me. I, I don't accept the argument. Rudy, I think you've got something to say. Okay, I have a few things to say. First oh, off, um, I, I need to tell my wife that this is going to go longer than I promised her it would. Um, this, <laughs> um, secondly, I am up. I am pacing. Thirdly, for, uh, Spro, 
You just get my name right. G- you you just referred to Jean Grey as toxic femininity. You mm-hmm. literally okay. All the all mm-hmm. of our female listeners out there allow uh, allow me to apologize for Spro for mansplaining how you feel. Okay, <laughs> I so just said first, two words. I just said two words. Yeah, you invented two words. As I was saying, Jean if there's Grey- toxic masculinity, there's got to be toxic femininity. No. And you're saying Jean Grey displays toxic femininity because she was held back by a man from possessing all the power she has. Is that what you're saying? Now who's mansplaining? Oh no, I'm 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 white splaining right now, Spro. I'm sorry, buddy. This uh, this 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 game has taken a turn. Um, I would first 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 I would like to thank Jeremy. For seeing my the the side of reason and right, he he did. He, you're right, uh, MC. I would agree with him too because he is more well spoken than me, and he said everything uh, I wanted to say, but he sounded like a grown up. Okay, so <laughs> nobody nobody was supposed to get hurt here um, on this podcast, but I feel like um, well, I feel like we have to press on. Um, nobody else picked Batman. Except Jeremy, I have my reasons for not picking Batman. I think, and it's a very simple reason. I think Bruce Wayne could have done more good for Gotham City if he just paid fucking taxes. But um, uh, interesting. Instead of instead of dressing up like Batman and, and hunting down thugs, um, he could have done legitimately more for Gotham as Bruce Wayne, just paying his taxes. Rudy, why would you not pick Batman? It's for the reason that Spro mentioned earlier, where it was just a, a a rich guy with some time on his hands. Yeah, he he experienced some trauma. There was definitely some some trauma in his life with the loss of his parents. But I saw an honest like uh, somebody posted. I was researching this for a project for the kids that I work with, where I give them a. Uh, a description of a movie, but told in like just the most unique, honest way. And the description of dark Knight was billionaire harasses mentally ill man. And mm-hmm. like, that's pretty much it. You're right. If you had paid his taxes, maybe, I don't know, probably even run for office. Cause I'm pretty sure that's what guys with all that money do. He could have done so much more for Gotham. Here's my thing about Batman is again he's if if we're if we're debating superpowers or not that's one thing but I feel like there's especially in the Dark Knight the Dark Knight was such a phenomenal movie and arguably one of the best Batman universe showcases but I think that Batman of all the characters in that movie Joker Harvey Dent Two Face who are separate um, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Of all those main characters, Batman was the least interesting to me. Jeremy, you are uh, you are typing furiously that you want to go next. What do you have to say? Well, I went to type next, and I wrote next, sir. So I had to then correct it. So I was very I was typing so frantically. So I think that the point about Bruce Wayne paying taxes and, and do, doing all the things for the city, Thomas Wayne was trying to do that, and it wasn't working, and that's why Joe Chill. And those of his ilk uh, came out of the shadows to shoot uh, him and Martha Wayne as they were leaving the movies that night. Uh, that Thomas Wayne attempted to be that positive change in Gotham City, and it didn't work. And that's why Bruce knew that more drastic methods had to be taken. And um, so he wasn't, you know, some rich guy who was out trying to get his kicks by 
beating up criminals. He was realizing that Gotham was so sick that it needed a drastic change and that it could only happen through, you know, through violence. So if I if 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 he makes it through and I Photoshop him onto Mount Rushmore, do I do it with or without the Joel Schumacher rest in peace bat nipples? I would prefer not, although uh, it's your call. That's the thing about Batman too. Also, is that you know there are different uh, you know coming at it from a cultural point of view, there's there are different eras. Everybody's got their Batman. It's kind of like James Bond in that way. So there are probably people I don't know who they are, and I might not like to meet them. But they might consider the Joel Schumacher Batman to to be, you know, the Batman that they love the most, you know. Okay. Um, so he, he's, a, you know, a character. And I'll say this about Joel Schumacher, too. I know I'm going, I'm going off on a tangent, but I really, he, you know, I feel terrible for him because that, that movie derailed his career. And I think wrongfully so in a lot of ways because I think he's a, he was a talented director who made some great movies. I mean, Falling Down Alone would be, you know like the pinnacle of anybody else's career. But uh, he kind of got railroaded by that movie. And But uh, he did a commentary on that uh, DVD, the Batman and Robin DVD, where he really owned up to it and talked about the pressure that he was under from the studio to sell more toys and do all this other stuff. And, and you know, I really had a lot of respect for him because these days you see a lot of people, like uh, with the Star Wars universe and everything, the directors and the filmmakers turning on the fans and saying that it's the fans' fault that these movies aren't good and it's the, you know, the uh, this toxic uh, fandom that's ruining Star Wars and it's like, well, maybe the, just the fact the movies aren't good. Maybe if you owned up to what's not working about them, people could have more of a conversation. So you've, you've definitely made me feel for Joel Schumacher. However, another one of your picks was Iron Man. So I would I would question how you could put both Batman and Iron Man, who are essentially mirror universe um, equivalents of each other, rich white men who use their money to create these superhero identities. What's the difference and why do they both deserve to go? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. My argument for Iron Man strictly came from the Iron Man was the character that created the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is now the dominant force in pop culture and, you know, in movies today. So, um, but if we want to talk about it from a character perspective, then the differences, I, I mean, are, you know, I think that Tony Stark's change of heart comes, it comes from him realizing that he's been part of the system, you know, that, that he's been, think that he's been profiting and uh, from, you know, from from violence and from war and from death. And um, he's become a victim of the very system that he propagated, I guess, and wants to be, you know, make change uh, that way. Does that make sense? So absolutely. And you're absolutely right. So, Jeremy, if since you nominated them both, if you could only pick one, who would you pick, Batman or Iron Man? Oh, I'd say Batman, just for the fact that he's endured for 80 years and, and literally everybody on planet Earth knows who he is well since we're gonna have to pair this down list pair this list down eventually i'm gonna cross off iron man because you just told me to all right moving on rudy i'm gonna appeal to you and i believe you said the word curse when you were referring to the incredible hulk now i don't disagree that the incredible hulk's powers are a curse but his powers were given to him through 
basically an accident. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. I feel I feel like a superhero lawyer right now. Like not Daredevil. Like I'm a lawyer for superheroes. So <laughs> my, my one of my uh, nominations was Wolverine. And as soon as you said the word curse, I immediately thought, okay, I think we both have at least that kind of criteria in common because Wolverine was um, his power regeneration um, made him susceptible to the adamantium treatment and, and basically turned him into a lab rat where he was experimented on. He was um, mistreated, all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and became this vengeful, really just, just savage beast almost. But through that, he maintained humanity. He um, overcame trauma. He was able to control his rage. He dealt with hopelessness, depression. Um, and through that all, he was still a badass, still a hero. And because of Hugh Jackman, would I would argue he was probably one of the most important movie superheroes um, of the past 20 years. Your thoughts? I would uh, completely agree with you. And I was getting lost in your words because everything you could you said could be used to describe the Incredible Hulk. Um, uh, I the Incredible Hulk, I was introduced to Superman first, Hulk second through Bill Bixby and uh, the Incredible Hulk TV series. And the the concept of a man who, runs it, it stated in avengers 2 at the bar where he's talking to black widow and she talks about how he runs away from the fight because he knows he's going to win he doesn't he he didn't ask for this power right and so he has to deal with trying to go about what he feels he was put on this earth to do as a scientist as as a as a brilliant genius but as it's also manage this uncontrollable, powerful monster within him. The thing that I feel like separates him from Wolverine is that Wolverine can be, so my criteria was powerful. Wolverine, he unfortunately has adamantium fused to his bones. Magneto could kill him, crush him. You know, it, it's, it, he can be stopped. Uh, the Incredible Hulk, it's going to take a lot more to stop the Incredible Hulk. And I, I still, I'm going to go back to the point where he doesn't want to be the Hulk. Like, he has to find a way to control it. The, he has the dopest, yes, Hugh Jackman made Wolverine one of the most important superhero characters in the early 2000s for cinema. The Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner, has the dopest line in the entire MCU, hands down forever and always. That's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. I came out of my seat in the movie theater when that happened. It like That's how much of a chord it struck, to, struck with me, and that's why he's on my list. All right, so let's, let's go through some of the ones that we haven't talked about at length and there there's only a couple there's spider-man nominated by spro wonder woman nominated by spro and thor nominated by rudy so spro tell us about spider-man and wonder woman why did they make you 
Well, Spider-Man first. I think Spider-Man could be easier. Um, Jeremy made the point that Iron Man started the whole Marvel Universe, and really Spider-Man was the catalyst for all the superheroes coming out now in the 21st century. Superheroes were dead, dead in the water when it came to cinema. And then when Tobey Maguire graced the stage by swinging into action right around the 9-11 times, uh, that is when everybody started looking at how superheroes could be profitable again. And the Marvel Universe started getting put together over. Um, yeah. And then we get the DC Comics Universe and <laughs> that's pretty horrible. But Spider-Man is a normal human being. Then he gets bit by a spider, which means that anybody could be a superhuman at some point in their life if they go through a calamity like that. And then you're watching this boy figure out the superpowers. And the one thing that is um, is hammered home, which MC you quoted already in this episode, is the, the line, with great power comes great responsibility. It's all about taking personal responsibility for your actions. His backstory is the fact that he, the first person that he could have stopped that he did not killed his uncle Ben. And that has incited in him an anger and a fury to solve all the crime in the city you know, going against his better mental health and his better judgment and sacrificing his personal relationships. And you get to grow with this character. And he is, he's just a teenage boy for the most part. So that he, I think he is the most relatable superhero out there. And that is why I put him on Rushmore. Okay. Tell us about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, like I said, was, uh, it was down on my personal list between her and Captain America. And I think she represents more for a greater audience of at least the American viewing audience. Um, it's kind of hard for me to make the argument without, uh, again, being told that I'm mansplaining. But I think <laughs> that she is a great representation for um, female superheroes. She is powerful. She is strong. She is fast. She has the lasso of truth. Um, and I think she, I think she kicks ass. And I think. She has all the powers and capabilities and represents the exact same things that Captain America does, but she represents it for a uh, for what was at the time and what could still arguably be called the marginalized gender of America. So the lasso of truth, real quick, that always struck me as just like a magical waterboarding device because they basically accomplish <laughs> the same thing. Um, well, waterboarding will get you false information. They're just well, going to tell you what you want to hear to get out of it. I guess. Um, also, her invisible jet's incredibly lame. That said, uh, who else? Let's see. Um, I thought somebody else had Captain America on their short list. Jeremy, was that you? Yeah, Captain America was on my short list. So, yeah. Jeremy, what do you think? Because Spro raises some good points about the similarities between the two. What's your take on that? I think that Captain America, again, looking at it from the point of view of how I don't know. It's a good question. All right, hold on. I got to got to organize my thoughts. You can edit this all out. <laughs> all right. this, this is giving me a lot to think about. All right, so Captain America from in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, is one of the next to Iron Man is probably the superhero who is the face of that cinematic universe. Um, that's why Civil War I think worked so well because you really had the two opposing forces who were the you know the strongest leaders of that cinematic universe. And uh, he's also um, the only one who had a really, who had all three movies in his trilogy were really solid, you know? Uh, so, you know, for, are, you, are you playing with Lincoln logs over there? What are you doing? 
and it was my dog. <laughs> she's trying to get out, and, was, and then she's so I was trying to open the door to let her out. She's like all over rot. Um, so I lost my train of thought. So yeah, so Captain America, I think, is really an important figure in that regard. Uh, but I think Wonder Woman was the character who really turned DC around in the DC cinematic universe. In that DC, I mean, they, they you know, Batman versus Superman was a dud. Um, Man of Steel was, by and large, you know, a dud, and people were kind of done. You know, they were not excited about Justice League. They were not excited to see where these characters were going to go. They felt it was a dark, depressing slog, and they'd had enough. And the excitement level for Wonder Woman was muted because of that. And then the movie came out, and it was awesome, and it was, you know, exciting. And uh, it, the characterization uh, was great. Gal Gadot did a great job. And suddenly, you know, she became important because they were able to lean into what makes the character compelling, Versus trying to have an agenda, and versus trying to 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 drive, you know, they weren't focused on building a universe. You know what I mean? Um, like they were before with Batman versus Superman. It was just let's tell a great story with a great character. So they're both really strong in that regard. But in the sense of um, who had maybe the bigger impact, I might almost give it to Wonder Woman because that movie was it brought in people who didn't care about superheroes and they they wanted to see what all everyone was talking about all right the last one we haven't talked about at length thor rudy he was your pick tell us about thor all right oh man hold on to your butts no actually um (laughs) i want i mean i put thor on my list i'm going to say this first and then i'm going to uh clear it up so thor was on my list because of one when i i floated this topic to my wife she said the first one she said was thor and it she said something to the effect of because he'll be chiseled in rock or something he's like rock hard i don't know like she she likes the way thor looks and uh naturally because she married me so i think that thor has a lot of interesting character developments especially when thor becomes a woman jane foster you know and and there's that whole character arc. Now, having said all of that, I would like to remove Thor and back Spider-Man. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. This is This is this is this is unprecedented. So Rudy wants to Rudy wants to exile his own pick and that means we've got two votes for Spider-Man. So on the board I right love now, you, man. On the board right now, technically, are you guys texting each other and like colluding about this? Is that what's happening? So on the board right now, we've got Superman with three votes, Black Panther with two votes, Spider-Man with two votes, and not eliminated, but with only one nomination, Incredible Hulk, Batman, Captain America, Jean Grey, Wonder Woman, and Wolverine. So here's what I think we're going to have to do. In order to get rid of some of these, we're going to have to spin the wheel, and whoever it lands on is going to make a cut. I think Jeremy said that Wonder Woman would overtake Captain America in his viewpoint. Can't we we knock off Captain America? Jeremy, are you casting an official vote for Captain America? Or I mean for Wonder Wonder Woman? Woman? It's tough, and I don't don't like this happened to me last time. It's a very difficult position to be in. It's very stressful. But yeah, I'd have to say, oh my god, just looking at the uh, the cult because the thing is, Wonder Woman turned the DC 
cinematic universe around. It was and, it, it was dead, and it, I you know and, and coming coming to it from a fan point of view myself, I was like, I don't really care about DC after Batman versus Superman. I felt like I'd just been to a funeral, and I didn't want to go and, and watch more characters, you know, be destroyed. And um, lo and behold, it was amazing, and it was great, and so it gave me hope again. We'll move Wonder Woman forward in favor of um, – we'll, we'll move her forward because she's the one who gave a, gave away for Suicide Squad and she's the one who didn't punch Hitler in the face. Is that right? <laughs> I, Suicide no. Squad came before Wonder Woman, I think, didn't it? Did it? Yeah. Uh, but Shazam, well, Shazam they're making, was great. They're, they're making another Suicide Squad, so it's all the no. same. But Shazam <laughs> and uh, Aquaman was great. Uh, that's debatable. Rudy, <laughs> I Dolph, enjoyed it. Dolph Lundgren, just because you enjoyed it doesn't mean that was <laughs> that it was good. Uh, Dolph Lundgren with ginger hair is something that I'll never forget, and that's not in a good way. Rudy, go ahead. Well, so um, I I don't want to throw a wrench in this, but I'm back in I'm back in Captain America over Wonder Woman. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you. Um, from the fact that Captain America. Is as a as a long-standing character, and and every I'm going to back everything you said because you hit all the points. And the thing that like he's dealing with the fact of having a moral ground and knowing what's right, even though it's not popular, and it's going to make him t- have to like face his friends, his allies, uh, the people that he you know he 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 came up with you might say so wonder woman's fantastic wonder woman did a lot of stuff for dc uh, when that movie came out it was i mean culturally in a female director uh you know an all-female crew a female crew it was this empowering cultural moment right and i feel like that that just happened and that i mean yes it's important Captain America has been holding it down for a lot longer than Marvel uh, than uh, DC's uh, cinematic version of Wonder Woman, and that's why I'm choosing Captain America. All right, so we've got two for Captain America, two for Wonder Woman. I think the way to do this is to spin the wheel, and whoever it picks, whoever it lands on, since we're split even, gets to make the final cut. Are you guys okay with that? That's fair. Yep. All right, here we go. Rudy. <laughs> this is going to come back to bite me. I'm sorry. Wonder Woman's gone. <laughs> All right. Wonder Woman is gone. Sorry. Well, I'll say this. Rudy made a very compelling argument. That was definitely like the the, the, the uh. speech to the jury at the end of the movie that like sways them. You know, it was like Rudy is emotional. like Rudy is a modern day um, Jake Brigance from A Time to Kill. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, that. it was... Uh, and he makes a good point. Yeah, Captain America is, you know, he was around in World War II, and then they brought him back in the 60s for the Avengers, and then there was all the stuff with him and Falcon in the 70s. It was really timely. All right. So, Rudy, what are we going to do about Incredible Hulk and Wolverine? So, c- clearly, I mean, we can we can put it to the jury for this, and I, I know that I'm probably going to pay for it, but... I, I feel that they are very similar characters. The thing that separates them 
is that one person actively tries not to be the the character that we want I want to put on the uh, Mount Rushmore. Wolverine's always going to be Wolverine. Even when he couldn't didn't have this the claws of I mean the adamantium, he was still like a savage, you know, he was a mountain man. You know, he was gruff, he's tough. He doesn't he doesn't care about what people think. Whereas, you know, Bruce Banner would much rather be Bruce Banner than the Incredible Hulk. And he has to carry that with him and use it. And he figures out a way to take this negative and turn it into a positive. See, I might disagree with you about Wolverine not caring what people think, not from a reputation standpoint, but from a survival standpoint. If you remember X-Men 2000, the scene in the beginning where he's fighting in the bar and um, he, he's fighting in the cage and the the... I don't remember the redneck guy whose friend got beat comes up to him and yes. says, I know what you are. I know what you are. You owe me some money or something like that. Yes. So outing Wolverine as a mutant isn't, it's not a reputation thing for him. It's a survival thing, not for him, but for whoever he's going to have to fight because they're not going to beat him. And he's going to potentially a- end up killing someone, which against his, his heart and his soul and his better judgment, he doesn't want to do. And you know, and I'm typing next because what you just said is exactly what Bruce Banner does with don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. He's trying to negotiate. He's avoiding it. He's like, look, this is not going to go well for you. I will destroy you. And then, you know, Bill Bixby's eyes turn that light green and then Lou Ferrigno's tearing up some jeans. <laughs> All right. That was a great um, that was a great couple bars for your next hip hop single, Rudy. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So I think we're going to have to go to the jury on this one. Spro and Jeremy, between the Incredible Hulk and Wolverine, you guys seem, uh, you've heard our arguments and hopefully you can recognize the similarities. Jeremy, why don't you weigh in first? This is like Sophie's choice again. It's really difficult. Um, so the thing about the Hulk for me is that uh, it is he's a great character, but uh, for years they could not make Put him, they could not put him in a watchable movie that didn't star other superheroes. It wasn't until the Avengers that they really kind of nailed what what makes the character compelling. You know, I mean, the 2003 one with Eric Bana was terrible. And then the 2008 one, does anyone even remember that? That was actually part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, just yes, yeah, Liv Tyler. Of, yeah. yeah, and Ed Norton. It feels like it's kind of forgotten. Yeah. What? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, Wolverine is one of those, like, he is the X-Men in some ways. When you think of the X-Men, even if you there are other X-Men who maybe have more um, impact in terms of the, of the books and the storylines and everything, when you think of the X-Men, Wolverine is the first character you think of. Um, okay, let me stop you there. So, Spro, right. same question. Wolver- your thoughts on Wolverine and the Hulk comparatively? Well, I think, I, I mean, I, I went for the gut when it came to the Incredible Hulk and the toxic masculinity and the rage machine and the rage monster. And Rudy makes a compelling argument where, but against the Incredible Hulk, where if Bruce Banner doesn't even want to be himself and have his own powers, why would we, you know, etch him in the history of stone of Rushmore? Um, Wolverine, Logan is probably one of my top three superhero films of all time. And, but in the end, like I, I would just go with uh, Wolverine. So that sounds like 
A vote. Well, that's a vote for Wolverine from Spro. A vote for Wolverine from me. Rudy's vote for the Incredible Hulk. Jeremy, what's your official vote? Are we going to be here for another five hours? <laughs> yes, as I fret. All right. Oh, God. Why does it always come down to me? All right. So here's what I think. And I may have to go with the Hulk. And the reason is he, he was one of the characters that really showed that Marvel can have depth with their superheroes and tell complex stories. Um, you had that with the thing too, the famous, this man, this monster, uh, obviously Spider-Man that you could start showing superheroes who were flawed and who didn't necessarily want to be heroes or didn't want the powers that they were given, but made the best of them. And that really made them relatable and compelling. And, uh, until the Avengers that we never saw that on film, we did, we did see it with, uh, with the TV show, I think, but, um, People just kept leaning into him being an unbeatable monster in the other movies, and that really is not what makes the Hulk interesting. So the fact that they did that in the comics back in the 60s was really kind of a turning point for Marvel and really showcased how Marvel could make superheroes human and relatable. So I'll go with the Hulk. All right, so we've got a stalemate. So we're going to spin the wheel, and whoever it lands on is going to make the official cut between Wolverine and the Hulk. Here we go. And it lands on Jeremy. So I'm guessing the Hulk. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. This big picture, I got to go Hulk. Yeah, we'll just we'll kick off Wolverine and his, um, you know, iconography and the 20 years of X-Men movies. And no, no big deal. No problem. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, we'll be, sure to, we'll, be sure to, we'll be sure to tag Eric Bana in the tweets about this episode, okay, <laughs> so that he knows. All right. Although I so, didn't say nice things about his movie, so please don't do that. So right now we've got Superman. He's a lock. We've got Black Panther with two, Incredible Hulk with two, Captain America with two, and Spider-Man with two. We've got Batman and Jean Grey kind of sitting here on the edges. Um, I personally would, would just from a pop culture standpoint, would move Batman on over Jean Grey. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Well, you nominated Batman. Yeah, I can't believe Batman's sitting on the sidelines. I would have thought he would have been the first ballot right in. I don't, um, I don't, I don't think that Batman's as interesting as he. I, I don't think Batman is is entirely as interesting as some of the other choices. But he also oh, has the greatest selection of villains in in all of superhero. Yeah, but we're not history. putting the villains on Mount Rushmore. We're I know, but I'm saying those superheroes, those villains wouldn't exist without Batman. So, all right, fair. Um, Spro, what do you think, Batman or Jean Grey, moving forward? <sighs> I would go Batman. Like I, I don't fret over decisions very much. Jean Grey is just, yeah, she's like the same thing with Incredible Hulk with me. Like I, I don't care if you, if you can't control your powers. If the most intriguing thing about you is not being able to control your powers, then are you really a superhero or are you just a raging nut? That's okay. a good point. That's a good point. I mean, if you don't have any powers and rely on money and a utility belt, are you even really a superhero or just some guy with some toys? I, You know what? I appreciate you. I'll take all three off. <laughs> Wait a minute. There were only two. What do you mean? Uh, Incredible Hulk, too. Like, if we just oh. <laughs> we want to fast forward this. I agree with Rudy wholeheartedly. Let's just get all rid of all three. So <laughs> it's it sounds to me like there were three votes for Batman and Rudy's nomination of Jean Grey. Rudy, I have to be honest, after your um, plea for why Jean Grey should be on the on the mountain, 
if it means anything, I would agree that she deserves to be on over my initial pick of Charles Xavier. I do think that she's defined by one single storyline. And I think that kind of um, takes away from her qualifications, I suppose. But that storyline was so important and was so essential and has been and and I think the fact that it's been bungled cinematically so many times to such a just despairing reaction from fans uh, underscores how important she is. Yeah, is despairing a word? Yeah, I, I, it sounds right to me. Yeah, Jeremy, is despairing a word? Did Jeremy leave? Sorry, I was on mute. Oh. Um, yeah, I think despairing is a word. I'll, I'll give it to you. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that was the. I don't know if that was the right word to use, but the way the fans and the 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 movie patrons just lamented both what was it, the Last Stand, and then the Dark Phoenix, really underscores again how important um, that storyline is. So, Rudy, as much oh. as I I, I I I support you, but the group supports Batman. I understand. I understand. All right, Jean Grey's gone. So now we've got. Superman is our lock, and each of these following choices have two votes. Black Panther, Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Spider-Man. So, <clears throat> I think, let's see, uh, Spro, you were Black Panther, is that yes. right? I was Captain yeah, America, uh, the, the original nomination. Spro, you were Black Panther, I was Captain America, Rudy was the Hulk, and Jeremy, you were Spider-Man? Uh, no, no Spider-Man. Spider but you you had Spider-Man on your list, right? No, I did not. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. So maybe no, somewhere I, back somewhere back there you flipped over to Spider-Man. Okay. No. So Oh no, was that you, Rudy? That was Rudy. I, I, yeah. I flipped to Spider-Man. Oh well then my whole plan is just out to shit. All right, never mind. All right. <clears throat> we haven't talked about Black Panther yet. Let's talk about why Black Panther is important and why Black Panther should go on Mount Rushmore. Spro, go ahead. Well, I just think it's the mirror reality. I think, you know, it's not even like the times that we're living in now, but I think it was hugely important for uh, a population of America for them to see themselves as a superhero. Yeah, and so I, I think I know what you're trying to say. I mean, the 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 monumental... Uh, moment and movement that came from Black Panther hitting the silver screen and the uh, the representation that um, that was put on display and to show that it is successful and it has a rich deep storyline how many people knew about Black Panther before he was introduced in Civil War you know what I, I mean like some people don't even realize that Storm and Black Panther hook up. Like it's it's there he has he has a rich deep storyline. I love the fact that they made this complex character and and they I mean cuz he's dealing with the the weight of becoming losing in the MCU, losing his father, becoming the 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 king and being Black Panther. It was such a beautiful movie. That being said, I don't know if I could back him from Mount Rushmore. I I I think out of out of the list that we have, he's at the bottom for me. The reason why we didn't know too much about Black Panther is because they didn't have representation. And I think Rushmore is more so the fact of a representation 
of an eclectic gathering than just being the four greatest up on the mountain. Because, you know, if you look at the original Rushmore with Washington, Jefferson, these aren't the four greatest Americans of all time. They just represent four different avenues of America and America's evolution. So with that said, Black Panther shows America's revolution in black cinema and black superheroes and, you know, welcoming, you know, to the party uh, for a movie, not necessarily made for the four guys on this podcast. Well, listen, so I mean, look, I'm going to say and and, uh, my my people of color out there will back me on this. There was this whole thing that I found hilarious and a lot of people found hilarious when they're like, finally, a black superhero. And they completely forgot about Meteor Man. They completely Blade. forgot about <laughs> Blank Man. They forgot about Blade. They forgot Spawn. about Hancock. Falcon. Spawn. Yeah, I mean, like, I oh, was like, Hancock. okay. I was like, this is important. Yes, it's important. But like... Let's not get like don't forget the people that laid the foundation. Robert Townsend was a superhero. Who has seen Meteor Man? I'm sorry, I'm getting off track here. But I think that I, I'm with you, Spro. I get it. Yes. And I God, you it's you're making Those me were float good movies, your way. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You're making me float your way a little bit with with your with the your the case you just made. So so what do we do? Jeremy. I think you might have to be the deciding vote here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's um let's table Black Panther. Let, let's table Black Panther for a minute. Let's talk about um so so two mainstays of the Marvel universe, Captain America and Spider-Man. I would argue that they both present the same sort of um clout in terms of superhero they're both icons they're both associated very clearly with marvel they both have successful movies successful comics successful toys successful um integrations with other superhero teams i think we should try to sort them out so captain america is is still my pick um who else backed me on captain america was that who was that yeah, that was me. That was me. And so Spider-Man and Spider-Man was also Rudy and Spro. So <laughs> So I hate to say Ew. this. I hate to say this, but um Jeremy, you're the only one without <laughs> without a uh, a horse in the race here. Um Captain America or Spider-Man? All right, so in this instance, I got to say Spider-Man. But Spider-Man was on my list. And, I mean, when you think about it, he was the face of Marvel Comics for decades, you know. I mean, even, you know, throughout, you know, I mean, the 60s and the 70s, he was one of the first ones to be on TV uh, on The Electric Company, for those of us who remember that. And how um, old are you? <laughs> getting older by the second. But uh, no one else remembers The Electric Company? I, I, I remember. I remember. Spider Man, where are you coming from? Spider Man, nobody uh, knows who you are. <laughs> nobody remembers that song. Hey, All right. Well, I remember. Um, I remember Chad Kroger and Josie Scott from the first um, Spider Man. We're the hero. We're rising to Yeah, I remember. That's, that's the Spider Man song. I remember. Oh well, I wish I could forget that. But, all right, so Spider Man. I mean, you, look, all the points you're making are completely accurate, and I guess that. I don't feel like either one of those choices would be wrong. So I'll concede Captain America, even though I disagree, I will agree to disagree and I'll concede Captain America. 
Um, so now we've got Spider-Man. And Spider-Man stays relevant, too. Look at Spider-Verse, which, like, revamped the character completely and was just as successful. That's true. So now we've got Superman with three, Batman with three, Hulk, Black Panther, and Spider-Man with two each. So we need to pick two more um, between Black Panther, Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Man. <sighs> Everybody take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. We'll get there. Take a deep breath. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, regardless of who has – because uh, I, I kind of don't remember who nominated who, but regardless of who has a horse in the race here, I'm going to spin the wheel and I'm going to name the two superheroes that are alphabetical order. And then I'm going to have that person make a cut. No, that's, that seems fair. That works. All right. Ready? Spro. Oh, so you're going to pick, you're going to pick between Batman and black Panther. Because I think we have an unofficial case for uh, Spider-Man and then the Incredible Hulk. We'll do this like a final four. So Batman versus Black Panther is the first round. Uh, well, that just goes to what I said at the top of the show where I wait think a minute, Batman. Wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did that wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a, okay. <laughs> Everybody stop. Take a breath. Take a breath. Okay. This is supposed to be Black Panther versus Incredible Hulk versus Spider-Man. So... Spro, who would you pick to move forward? Oh, I'm Spider-Man all the way. I'm going to mark one vote for Spider-Man. Rudy, who would you pick to move forward if you can only pick one? Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, or Black Panther? Incredible Hulk. Jeremy, Black Panther, Spider-Man, or Incredible Hulk? Who would you move through? Um, I got to say Spider-Man. Okay. So that's two for Spider-Man. One for the Incredible Hulk. None for Black Panther. I think that the fact that we didn't even talk about Spider-Verse until the very end of this of this podcast is kind of a disservice and makes me realize that even though I kind of it was in the back of my mind, that movie was phenomenal and did exactly what you said, Jeremy. It proved that this character can be reinvented over and over and over again. And I think mm-hmm. that even despite the um you know, the crappy movies like arguably spider, well, not arguably Spider-Man three. And then the amazing Spider-Man, uh, is that what they were? The amazing yeah. Spider-Man movie. Yeah. No, there's still a lot of equity in Spider-Man. So I think Spider-Man can move forward along with Batman and Superman. So now between the final two, we've got black Panther and incredible Hulk. Let's go ahead. So we've got Rudy your votes for Incredible Hulk, right? Yes. Okay. Spro, Black Panther or Incredible Hulk? Black Panther. All right. Jeremy, Black Panther or Incredible Hulk? Black Panther. All right. I'm going to go with Incredible Hulk just because Rudy and I agreed on the whole curse mythology, and that means it's going to be a random spin. Whoever whoever the wheel lands on is going to have to make this decision and complete our Mount Rushmore. Are you guys ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, Jeremy. No, I'm just kidding. Rudy. <laughs> Rudy, you might as well treat this as a victory speech. I'll be honest. I can't believe this one made it all the way, but hey, you did it. When, 
I understand that our listeners are probably cussing right now. However, I am. Let me first just say that every single superhero listed, with the exception of Captain Planet, I love, and I am a hundred percent behind their nominations for Mount Rushmore. However, as culturally important as Black Panther was, and what it meant, I I think that Mount Rushmore represents a. Uh, um, a history, a breadth of of work and and character development, and the Incredible Hulk is just just uh, for me. He's the representation of what a superhero is because he has that vulnerability that everybody can relate to. What if you had this thrown on you and you didn't want it? You know, you have this great power. It's a little. It, I just think the character is a little stronger. Well, actually, in real life, a lot stronger than. Black Panther, but also I think the character is a little bit deeper. So I'm choosing the Incredible Hulk. I would argue that in five years or, or, you know, within the next iterations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that might be a different conversation because I feel like Black Panther will have, I mean, the sequel will come out. I'm sure that there'll be other appearances and more equity will be built for that character. I think the unfortunate thing about Black Panther is and Spro touched on this, that the comic was around for and has been around for a long time. The character has been around for a long time, but um, just really not in the same sort of um, public space as some of these other superheroes who seem to have a, a, a long lasting legacy. So I think that we've got our list, guys. It's Superman, Batman, The Incredible Hulk. And Spider Man. I don't think that's wow. a bad. I don't think that's a bad Mount Rushmore. Two from Marvel, two from DC, split down the middle. And uh, I guess Captain Planet will just clean it up. All right. <laughs> so, um, we've got to go ahead and pick the topic for our next show. And our next show, uh, how we do this, we have a wheel, and I believe right now the wheel's up to about fifty choices, and we've got. Um, them all randomized and we're going to spin and we're going to decide on the next topic right now. And then we're all going to go back to our little notepads and we're going to make all kinds of notes and we're going to pick all kinds of nominations that will ultimately be torn apart by our friends and we'll all leave just feeling really insecure and stupid. But we'll get through the podcast and we'll pick a new Mount Rushmore this time for... Human movie villains. <gasps> so that one pretty much is in the name. I mean, I think that 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 going back, I mean, I'm already starting to, when I named the topic, did you guys already start like kind of formulating your list? I, like, oh, yeah. I got my number one. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have a feeling, I have a feeling that, that hopefully there will be a few more in common this next time. Um, because mm. yeah, but <laughs> not maybe not, happen. maybe not. I don't know. I thought there would be a lot in common this time and boy, was that wrong. So, so, um, for the Mount Rushmore podcast, I am MC want to say thank you to, uh, the wonderful co-host today. You guys want to say anything in closing Rudy? Um, I, 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 things escalated pretty quickly there. And I just want to say that we're all still friends and I'm so excited to be a part of this. So thank you. (laughs) Are you being held at gunpoint or something? (laughs) 
I, I realize I probably came off a little hot there at a few times. Just, uh, just All right. I'm a passionate person. Calm down, calm down. Spro, anything before we sign off? I, I would just like to say that I was I was cleaning up my yard the other day and I was thinking about our last recording, our last Rushmore, and I, I started feeling guilty for being one of the dissenting votes of uh, Rudy's pick, El Mariachi. And I said something about like putting it on an international Rushmore. And I just, I, I feel, I feel okay now because uh, Rudy downplayed Wonder Woman and Black Panther. So, so I feel good. I feel good. Jeremy, anything before we sign off? I'm just glad that the last pick didn't come down to me this time. So <laughs> I feel much more relaxed. All right. Well, stay tuned for our next episode, Human Movie Villains on the Mount Rushmore podcast where pop culture is carved in stone. I'm